So the subset that I'd like to talk about this morning of under judgments are what you might call um, a stereotype, what can also be defined as prejudgment or prejudice, um, uh, or group. Do you want to get a chair? Is there another stool? Do you want to sit or a chair? Um, what are, what are, you gave another name for it, Pastor Daniel? What, what were you speaking of? It was prejudgment, stereotyping, group identity, generalization. Can we get this man some mic action? All right. No, no, the, it's not on. Oh, you haven't turned it? Oh, you'll turn, turn it on. I got some tea here if you want. Okay. Um, and. Uh, what? Would you guys like us to leave? No, 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 no. But we're, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, but I do think one of the underdeveloped theological problems is how could Israel be the chosen people and not have tea or coffee? I mean, I don't think enough attention has been given to this theodicy issue, but that's just me. Um, so here's, here's the issue as, as the, trying to work through this. I've talked about coming to judgments, but there's a whole other realm that's not quite coming to judgment, but it's recognizing probabilities, dealing with our past experience. Um, and what can be tricky is you'll hear from different quarters, we must never do this. You must never stereotype. You must never profile. You must never treat anyone as anything other than an individual. There's a fair amount of truth to that statement. And yet, if you absolutize it, it's impossible and unbiblical. Let me, let me give an example of what I mean by this. I'm going to give you some stereotype statements from Scripture, by which all I mean is taking a group and taking a group characteristic and stating it as though it were to truly represent much of the group. We've got this in Genesis 46, 33 to 34. When Pharaoh calls you, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers, and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even till now both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Joseph has recognized, I believe rightly, because this works out fine for them, that the Egyptian culture looks down on shepherds. Does that mean there wasn't a single exception? Of course not. It's a true representation of a cultural value. And, And Joseph isn't approving or disapproving of it. He's utilizing the utility of that reality to get them a place to live in, in Egypt. But, but that's a stereotype, right? It, we, we generally are probably okay with that because it's not a terribly negative stereotype. That Egyptians don't like shepherds. I'll give you some more. Um, 1 Corinthians, Jews desire, well, the gospel offends Jews because they want what? Signs. I thought, Dave, they've been here. they should know the answers to these. Greeks want, <laughs> Greeks want, what? Wisdom. That's just bigotry right there. Deal with them each individually. No, as a general truism, true to Greek culture is the fact that Greek culture prizes sophistry and wisdom. Does that mean there aren't exceptions? Of course not. But it's a true statement about cultural values. Just like the Jews mostly are impressed by prophetic miracles. Again, not without exceptions. But it's true as far as it goes. But I think these would be stereotypes. Now, here's a bad one. Here's probably the most embarrassing one in Scripture. Not that you should be embarrassed, but it's regards to our culture and our culture's values. Titus, you got to turn there. You got to see this one. Um, We're generally okay with positive stereotypes, 
If I were to say to you that Chinese American children generally spend four times as much time on their homework as their white counterparts, that's just a statistical fact. Um, at least as research has been done, no one generally gets offended with that statement because it's a positive statement. Um, Titus 1, 12 to 13. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Paul quotes one of their own poets, prophets, cites his own testimony of his own people. He says, you nailed it. Now, I'm pretty sure if I were to say that about any subgroup of people, most of us would go, ooh. Right? And so we got to think through this, because whatever this is, is right. And I do think there's much in the way that we use of stereotypes that is corrupt and wrong. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand, I'm not saying that just because there is a right way of speaking of group attributes, that all speech of group attributes is right. I'm not saying that for a second. I'm only trying to establish if a person says we must never speak in generalities about a group, well, the Bible says you're wrong. That's what I'm saying. And then the task at hand is to navigate when is it okay, when is it right, what are the boundaries um, so that we don't sit in our speech. Okay? You want to add anything so far, Pastor Daniel? You're good so far? Okay, I'll keep going forward. Okay. Um, here, I think, is the critical point. Thomas Sowell, in his book, Discrimination Disparities, we got a couple copies left in the bookstore. You're going to have a hard time finding this. His books on these topics have been selling out, even though this is a couple years old, given the recent climate. I think trying to reorder, they told me I could get it by mid-August. Um, so, you're in our bookstore, and they're in the library. Um, Daniel's copies didn't come If you're in. smart, you'll sell them for twice as much online. After you read them. After you read them. Yes, yes, there you go. Um, but what Th- Thomas Sowell talks about, he, his approach at this is somewhat helpful. It's we're trying to think of the boundaries. Whatever the scripture is doing is okay. Saying that Greeks want wisdom, Jews want signs is fine. Even Paul's statement about Crete has got to be fine. And yet... I will freely admit many or much of what's done in the name of stereotyping, generalizing, um, is wicked. Our culture's right to disapprove of it and to hate it. Uh, and so the, the parsing of it out, his approach is this. He talks about, he uses the word discrimination. And our, the English word discrimination has two general meanings, a positive and a negative. The positive, you would say something like that person has a discriminating palate. They're able to separate. They're able to sort well. You know, whether it's wine or fine food or whatever, or someone has a discriminating ear, someone who's able to sort out the good from the bad. They're, they're very discerning in that sense. And we talk about discriminate in that sense. There's a second meaning of discriminate, which means to decide beforehand based on bias, ignorance, or prejudice. Uh, and that's, that's the bad um, prejudice, which I would agree. If you're, if you're deciding beforehand based on bias, ignorance, or prejudice, stop it. Um, and so I, but there's another sense since you and I discriminate against people every day, you and I discriminate against murderers. 
right? We, we want them treated differently. We don't treat everyone the same. We discriminate against murderers. We discriminate against thieves, right? Now here, most, only the most radical leftists would have a problem here. You're discriminating individuals based on their individual actions, and nobody has a problem with that. I'm going to say nobody. I think there are some, some really far out there leftists who would even say that's wrong. But I think most sane people would agree. To treat someone in response to how they act is appropriate and fine. Why did you treat that person differently? They acted differently. Right? That make you with me so far? Okay. So, he soul, this is going to help. Greg, what did you call me? A solonite? Sowellian. Okay. Uh, I was having lunch with Greg, and, and I was telling him all this stuff, and then he read the book, and he's like, you just were repeating soul. There's a reason we gave it to the high school graduates. Soul is just helpful in thinking through this. He identifies that as discrimination one, dealing with, with individual and real data, and discrimination two is the bad, bigoted prejudice. The trick then, we can all agree, good, bad, is one in A and one B. One A is the individual but what of when you use real data, real experience, and real, legitimate, accurate group characteristics? And Again, we all do this every day. John Piper in his book, Bloodlines, a book against racism and doing a very helpful, in many respects, job, freely admits this, that God has trained us. It's, it's induction. If, do you guys know the difference between induction and deduction? In induction, you observe enough particulars and you begin to make generalizations. You eat the same mushroom a number of times and you get sick. You conclude, all of these mushrooms make me sick, right? You take particulars, you get enough particulars, you come to a conclusion. That's induction. Deduction then works from those conclusions to particulars. If, If... I then encounter this mushroom in the wild. I deduce it will make me sick if I eat it. I induce all mushrooms of this sort and family are sickening to me because of the particular experiences I've had. All of us think that way. What you're doing is you're taking points of data. This mushroom isn't that mushroom. It's a different mushroom. Yeah, but it's of, it's of the same sort. It shares enough communal characteristics that I'm going to apply what I know about its others in its group to this. So you're dealing with data, you're dealing with real information, you're not dealing with bigotry and prejudice, um, and that's when I think you can make statements like, Jews want signs. It's a true statement of the cultural values. It's not going to hold out true for each and every last Jew, but it's true as a cultural evaluation. Greeks want wisdom. Cretans, their culture, their cultural sins are going to be um, gluttony and laziness um, and what? Lying, right? Lying. There it is. Okay, yeah. Um, always yeah. liars, evil, lazy beasts, and gluttons. Those are, their, those are their predominant sins. So if we're going to deal with this second category, 1B, where you're dealing with a group, I would suggest the following would be guidelines for when and how it's appropriate to speak about group characteristics of people. The first and foremost is you're not judging anyone individually. I'll give you an example from the Bible. Eli 
witnesses Hannah praying for a child, for Samuel. Hannah's prayer looks like what a drunken woman does to Eli. So far, I don't think Eli's got a problem. And if Eli had pulled aside the Levite and said, hey, you see that woman over there? I think she may be intoxicated. Can you go check out on her? And if she is, can you get her out of here? It's shameful. I think Eli would have been fine. He's operating from past experience, what he sees drunken people look like. And what does he do instead? He actually judges her and condemns her. And he says, how long will you go on in your drunkenness? And he's seen to be a fool. And eventually he's going to be upseated and cast down um, for his exalting of his sons over the Lord. But what Eli's doing is he's taking her particular circumstance, taking what he knows about drunkenness and alcohol, coming up with a hypothesis, I think she's drunk. There's nothing wrong with that. You may see someone walking down the street, staggering and stammering. And if you take your kids and say, okay, stay close to me, kids, that person may be drunk, and they, they may say perverse things. Nothing wrong, I don't think, yet. Um, they, they may have epilepsy. They may have a heart issue. They, they may have any number of problems. They may have MS. If I condemn them for their drunkenness, if I judge them, if I, if I take that group probability, that's probably, I'm interpreting, that person probably looks intoxicated, and I conclude, therefore they are, and I'll rebuke them without the evidence, then I'm guilty of violating my message this morning. Right? So my criteria, and I'll let Daniels add whatever he wants to add, and then you guys can discuss. My criteria would be, one, group characteristics need to be based on information, data, and, and actually have some amount of, of fact. It can't just be sayings people say about so-and-so people are like this or so-and-so people are like that. That if you're going to make use of it, you ought to have actually some data. The danger of simply um, error creeping in or people just being rude about some people. Uh, I remember growing up... Kids used to tell jokes about Polish people. The whole assumption is they were stupid or did foolish things. As far as I can tell, it was just about making fun of and demeaning people. I, I, maybe someone can later tell me what on earth that came out of. But I remember you'd tell these jokes that would be wholly inappropriate now um, in that way. So first, data. Two, you're not actually judging an individual. You're not judging an individual. Three, I would add in... You need to have some purpose in doing this. Um, so in Paul's case, he's left Titus to appoint elders and organize the churches in Crete. It seems wholly appropriate that Paul let Titus know what the besetting sins to be on guard for in that culture are. This is what you're likely to encounter. This is what you should keep your eyes open for in the church. Gluttony, lying, laziness. Those are the... Everyone, they're notoriously the besetting sins of that culture. They even admit it. So be on your guard. He's got a good motive in, in telling him. The reason why I add the good motive is we could just sit and share with each other cultural stereotypes for no other purpose than making ourselves feel better, for no other purpose than looking down our noses at people. And so I, I think it would be prudent, given how our hearts like to judge and look down on people, that you, you make it, it's based on data, not prejudice. It's not just you don't like somebody. You've got some purpose in doing it. And you're not attributing, you're not attributing group truths to individuals. You're not judging an individual guilty for their group. 
Let me give you one example. Let me give you one example I'll use, and I'll speak more of this in two weeks. Um, during the potato famine, I'm going to pick, where Mark go? I'm going to pick on the Irish for a second here. Um, the Irish came over in droves, about three million Irish, if I'm not mistaken. The potato famine brought a lot of Irish over. For the first time in New York City, outbreaks of cholera were taking place. It turns out the Irish immigrant community, which largely, people generally, if they sort themselves, live near people from their cultures. There's an Irish community area in New York City. Um, The Irish, many of the Irish, you could speak in these sort of cultural terms, had cleanliness standards that were lacking. Trash was in the streets. Um, uh, Drunkenness, public drunkenness was a big issue. And so because of the lack of cleanliness and the rats, the cholera outbreaks were happening. So if you were living in New York City in that time, it may be prudent to recognize Culturally, this, this community um, is causing problems, causing health problems in the city. You may, cult- you may decide to avoid that sector of town for your own health. What would be wrong would be the self-righteous condemnation. You meet a particular Irishman and you start yelling at him. You could be the complete exception to that cultural rule. Um, on the one hand, it's only... It's only acknowledging the obvious to say, what's the source of this problem? A subgroup of this community needs to adopt and assimilate cultural standards of cleanliness and hygiene to help deal with this health problem, right? Um, And yet, you cannot impute that to an individual and get mad at them without knowing whether or not he has, in fact, contributed to this or not. Does Does that make sense? That's me trying to throw out my... So, one more time, based on facts you got to have some purpose in doing this. In other words, I'd be very suspicious of someone saying, hey, did you know the Irish spread cholera because they weren't clean? Why are you telling me this? Because the temptation in my heart to want to look down my nose at people, especially if you're telling failings, weaknesses, besetting sins, why, why do I need to know this? Well, a health worker in New York City sure needed to know that. And if you wanted to keep cholera from your children, you may want to know that as regards to where you're, you're moving around in town, where you're doing business, that, that those would all be factors. Without judging any individual, until this community gets that under orders, I'm probably going to shop outside of the Irish Quarter. Might well be a rational and reasonable conclusion without judging any individual Irishman in my heart. Okay, you want to qualifier add to that um, that's my thesis on it what sounds good sounds good questions then on that okay questions thank you Um, okay, so building off of that with talking about this, talking about things like this in private uh, versus public, what are some guidelines for basically dealing with, so it feels like there's a tension in Christian community, we should be pushing each other towards the standards that you've set for impartiality, because they seem scriptural. Yeah. Uh, and that means that generally there's a type of good self-policing that happens over the heart and over each other 
where we talk about, you know, like we assume the, we hope all things, we hope the best in what we're hearing and we evaluate what's being said with the best, like in the best light. But no doubt there's a lot of us with different convictions on different things, different amount of time we spent, different circumstances, different emotional states, all these different potentials for causing conflict as we, uh, as we grow in wisdom in this. So what are some guidelines for, for that? Like how can we grow relative to that? Like what are some principles for guarding ourselves against issuing a, like, oh, you're deaf, like, you know, the Hillary thing. Um, like this is exactly like something crooked Hillary would do. If you say something like that, and I could see one person meaning something totally ridiculous by that, and another person using that as shorthand with a specific group of friends, where that's similar to the Cretans are liars type of thing, where it's being used as a shorthand to say a specific type of lying that's uh, similar to an action they've already discussed and established. Um, what what are some like I, I don't know guidelines for that? And then I think the second second thing is related to that. Uh, a lot of people uh, just uh, being in the you know in the workforce doing doing some job that doesn't relate to information gathering means that a lot of people with families or jobs that are not related to some type of information gathering like writing or um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different things. Uh, we'll have less time necessarily to collect the necessary information to render a good judgment. How how do you balance how different members in the body should be thinking about what they should or shouldn't be saying? Like what, their obligation to speak. Like should they have convictions for their families on a lot of these topics, or how do they set those patterns? I'm going to take a swing at your last question first because it's the more narrow, clear one. Um, it's rare that I'm aware of that I have some obligation to render a judgment. So I think you're generally going to be safe keeping your mouth shut, generally. I mean, can you think of exceptions to that? I mean, well, yeah, depending on what your position is in work, you may very well need to come to judgments, and you want those judgments to be righteous. You're a manager. Yeah, you're a manager. Yeah. You're hiring people. Um, or maybe there's some survey that you're asked to fill out as a part of your job and you need to report on certain things that you want those to be righteous. We, we need to train ourselves. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, right? So we need to train ourselves to try to be almost the other person's attorney. If you can't hear the other side... What types of arguments you made? So I'll, I'll give you an example with my own. I don't want to use myself as some paragon of virtue, but um, I'll use myself for a moment here. Did, did I ever get my sheet back from you? Oh, can you pass that to me? I need that. I need my notes. Um, I watched the the video that I'm sure many of you did about the killing of George Floyd, uh, and I was aghast. It was painful. It was awful. And I, I mulled it over for a long time afterwards. What could I conclude? It, I could not conceive of, I could not think of any... My first thought, could there be anything that if it occurred 10 minutes before off camera could justify this? And I was having a hard time thinking of anything. It seemed completely unjustifiable to me. Um, and then the next question I'm asking... So I'm coming up with things. I'm trying to think through, like, what can I conclude? This seems plainly to be awful, abhorrent, 
wrong, needless. Um, beyond that, placing the blame, let me be very careful here, placing the blame specifically, I would need to know things like, was he under orders to do that? I doubt it, but I would need to check. It would matter, right? If, if, if the people at dispatch were telling, you keep that knee there, the blame would have one location, right? One question I had, I talked to a police officer friend of mine in Chicago. Um, by the way, there's no evidence to suggest that was what happened. But not knowing what instructions or what orders he were under, that would factor in. I'd need to know that. Um, I spoke to a police officer friend of mine in Chicago. My first question, is this knee on the neck thing, is that even something taught? Or did he just sort of go rogue and bring that to the table himself? And he told me, no, there are, there are precincts where that's taught. My next question was, is it possible he was doing it wrong? Could this be a terrible accident where he, administering a technique improperly, killed a man? He'd, he'd be morally responsible and culpable, but that's very different than meaning to kill someone, right? I mean, um, and so I asked him, I, I said, would you expect, and this police officer friend of mine in Chicago, would you expect someone who did this for eight minutes to die or be severely injured? He said, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's not this person. It's not that uh, Derek Chauvin did it wrong. It's supposed to be when it's used. The few precincts that do use it, it's supposed to be something to to uh, subdue someone. It's supposed to be a point, a crisis point, moved until they calm down. You, you would never use it for that length of time. I said, okay, that's helpful to know. And I'm starting to close my understanding of what where this could be wrong because. Just from watching the video, I realized it's possible. I don't believe it's the case now. It's possible that this is a move, This is a technique that's supposed to be fine, and he just did his job poorly, was trained poorly, whatever, and he did it wrong. And it was an accidental death. But trying to think through what you can actually put your blame on. Now, I will say this. I, I think that was terrible. I don't want to watch that video again. It was that awful. I have yet to hear evidence piece number one to suggest it was racially motivated. And when I ask my friends who are convinced it was, okay, what, how do you, why, why couldn't it be that, that this officer um, had a beef with, with George Floyd over his previous offenses or other issues? I'm told, well, I got to fit into this bigger picture. And like, but, but you're attributing motives to somebody. And I'm, I want to be willing and comfortable to keep my mouth shut. I don't know why I did it. It's entirely possible it was a racially motivated killing. That's entirely possible. It's also entirely possible it was motivated by something else. As far as I can tell, it was also impossible. It's also possible that it was a gross, gross error. That one for which I think it would be fully culpable. Um, but even as I read the transcripts, the body cam footage was released. Um, as, if I understand it. Uh, Derek Chauvin expressed surprise. What? When they said they couldn't find a pulse. So I'm not at all convinced he intended that result. That doesn't let him off the hook at all. But it does, I believe, different degrees of murder, intent matters. And again, I'm, I'm still not prepared to render judgments on these things. This is complicated. We've got people whose profession it is to seek out the truth, to investigate. They're doing investigations right now. We ought to be patient. This seems like a gross, awful tragedy. Rest of our country seems to think that, and the people who are trained to investigate it are investigating it. Let's let's wait. Let's mourn a needless death. Let's mourn that absolutely and weep with those who are weeping. And let us 
wait and see the thorough investigation that comes out. I mean, I, I, I think most of it is people's r- desire to respond. And I get it. You see something horrific. It wells up emotions within you. You want to say something. You want to do something. Being a Facebook activist isn't doing much. Just, just I'll throw that one out there. It may make you feel like you're doing something. You're, you're not. Not really. Um, I have yet to meet the person who's changed a view they held because they got in a discussion on Facebook. Um, maybe they're out there. I've yet to meet them. You want to? <clears throat> I think the question had to do with uh, what? Well, let me go back to your first question. Okay. I think first question. What can we do to kind of check our own thoughts, our own motives, to make sure that we're not guilty of prejudice, guilty of discrimination of a wrong kind? I think the fundamental answer to that is we need to live every moment, think every thought in the presence of the almighty God who knows all things. So that in my thoughts, if I am coming to a conclusion about a person, I must know that conclusion is answerable to God. Am I ready then to make that conclusion or do I need to hold off? Because our tendency is to want to jump to the conclusion because we feel righteous when we do it. We feel powerful when we condemn someone. And that's a real danger. And so we have to check ourselves knowing God's going to ask us. He's going to hold us to account for what conclusions we make. And then I'd add into that, be like a Berean, search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. One of, we, we, when we come to a conclusion, we need to be willing to be corrected. Perhaps we came to a conclusion being fully convinced of the righteousness of it, only to learn later, whoops, there was something we didn't understand. I didn't know this, background, history, whatever. And when we're, when we're able to do that moment by moment, day by day, that's going to be the ultimate guard. Uh, there's no external guard that is going to change our hearts and our hearts are the problem. And so that's where we have to start as believers, holding ourselves accountable, knowing each thought is answerable to God. Whether or not someone else catches us, we know that we're going to stand before God for that. And so we better do it in a righteous and, and just way. So that's where I would start on that. Um, I don't know if you want to jump back to the particular you mentioned I got lost on the second one and your answer to it uh, I was trying to I was trying to illustrate my own thought process on something I'm sure many of us have thought through being very careful what could I conclude what couldn't I conclude and after watching the video I could conclude I saw something horrible some tragedy something broken and sinful happened but I still didn't have the precision I would need more information before I could place with a with precision where that was, because like I was saying at that, so, so recognizing what you know and what you don't know. Okay. So, Doing so, an inventory yeah. of what you know and what you don't know. Let, let, let me, <clears throat> the, the questions regarding stereotypes. Okay. Here's the hypocrisy of what's going on in the media. We think that there are a bunch of stereotypes going on that are wrong. And so certain groups of people have been oppressed. Our answer is, to reverse the stereotype and jump to conclusions about everyone who's in a police uniform. So we're going to condemn them outright because they're in a uniform. We know that guy was racist. How do you know that? Because he was white and because he was in a uniform. 
that fair. fair? That's a stereotype. Is that, that's a complete stereotype, which they can only justify because they believe there have been multiple years and decades and centuries even of stereotypes against the opposite group. Is that justice or is that retribution? Is that payback? Um, uh, right, right after a verse you quoted today in, in Proverbs 18, I found this real helpful. Uh, I, assuming I can find it. Yeah, there we go. Wait, almost too many markers in here. Uh, Proverbs 24. You, you quoted, uh, or you had it in your notes. Partiality and judging is not good. Verse 28. Be not a, a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Well, that's exactly what's going on in our society today. The claim of justice is a bunch of wrong things and wicked things were done against one group of people by another group. Now it's payback time. We're going to reverse things. And so now we're going to do wrong to the the original perpetrators and we're going to let the original victims be the new perpetrators. And that's justice. In God's eyes, I think that's uh, abominable. I think that's wicked. If it was wicked for blacks to be treated a certain way by whites for decades, centuries, then it's wicked for blacks to now mistreat whites in the same way regarding stereotypes, jumping to conclusions, etc. Yeah, the, the, the same group who will insist you must never use a stereotype, treat everyone individually, are pretty uniformly the same group that want to take white Americans as a monolithic group and talk about white privilege and white guilt, which whether or not there's anything behind that, and that's something I've set aside to talk on a future ABF, it's an internally contradiction. You must never stereotype and deal with groups. Now let me tell you about the white group. Like, well, get it, get it straight. Which one is it? Um, so for us... Stereotypes can be dangerous. I, I think part of the reason our culture is opposed to it is they've seen what damage, what smug damage can be done when we speak of negative stereotypes with disdain and judgment and self-righteousness. And our culture sees how much damage can be done, and then they don't want to see that damage, so they say, you can't do that unless you're doing it against whoever's in power, then it's okay because they aren't really going to get hurt anyway or or something like that. And we need to agree the smug, self-righteous belittling that can be done with stereotypes is absolutely true and and abominable. Um, And yet, no one is going to be able to live life without using, to some degree, that way of thinking. We We need to do it righteously. So, I would just keep my mouth shut unless I think there's a good... It's back to Ephesians 4.20. It's not just don't say bad things, but only such as is needful for the moment that may give grace to those who hear. Is there any need for me to render a verdict and a judgment here? Is this going to bless anybody? Now, what does become even more problematic is there's a portion of the church saying, no, you're to weep with those who weep. We're weeping, weep with us. Well, can I just weep with you in your suffering? No, you need to affirm my narrative. 
And that's where it gets really tricky because you can say, look, clearly you've suffered and I can weep with you. You're not validating me till you amen my testimony of what's happening. I can't do that yet. I don't have the evidence to do that yet. Okay, then you're rejecting me. That's the antinomy. That's the, the choice that's being foisted upon us at sometimes, where it's not enough to say, look, whether or not there's stuff systemically going on, you've clearly been wronged and sinned against, and you've clearly had a hard time, and I can weep with you on that. I don't know if I can amen the motives you're attributing to people. But people have been mean to you. People have been unkind to you. That, that's, I, I'm sorry. No, either you agree with my narrative or you reject me. And then we, okay, then I'll agree with your narrative. We can't do that. We, we think it's okay because when you're condemning a system, you're not condemning an individual. But systems are made of individuals. The fact that it's a depersonalized thing you're judging doesn't make the standards of justice any different. You know, um, that's, that's, yeah. You got five minutes. You got any pearls of wisdom, Daniel? Probably, but are there any other questions? Oh, any other questions before we go? Sure. I'll give you the last five minutes if there's no more questions. Oh, Adam's got one in the back. Sound man has a question. He's got his own mic, kids. He beat you to it. So here's a maybe stirring the pot, uh, opening a can of worms question. Is voting rendering a judgment? Yes and no. Uh, is voting is voting rendering a judgment? You you have to make a decision, right? You can't vote for everyone. It's like choose one of these. You can't choose them all. So yes, in that sense, it is a judgment. You have to come to a conclusion, or you can not vote. But that too is coming to a conclusion. I don't have enough information to decide. No, it is not making a judgment morally unless you do that in your heart. Just because you vote for one person over another doesn't mean you've condemned the person you didn't vote for. You just chose, based on the knowledge I have, I think this is my best choice. Yeah. yeah well, it, it depends on the topic. If, you, if you're voting over a legislation, it better be a just legislation. What kind of a foolish state would allow people to vote on legislation? I know, I came from California. That was an inside joke. No, but that, that, this is a, with voting, it's a complicated question. It, it, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what you think you're doing in voting. Um, and, and each man's conscience is going to appear before God. There are some who believe the purpose of voting is to choose... Score the most points possible, the real politique. You're going to vote for someone who has a chance of winning, and then out of the people who have a chance of winning, you pick the least bad guy or the hopefully best guy. And if you're convinced of that in your own mind, i got nothing to say to that. That's not my persuasion. I, I tend to be more of, I need to vote for someone I can stand before God and say, I amen that. I tend to vote for people who don't have a shot on earth of winning um, for that reason. But I could also look at someone with a third position and say, this is such a weighty matter, and I've been reading and researching it, and I, I'm fearful of approving. They think they're approving. They're, you know, I'm getting Romans 1. Not only do they do the such things, they give approval to those who do. I don't want to approve someone who proves not to be a liar and a crook. I don't want to be one of those people who voted for Hitler before he became a, a dictator. And so I fear giving an account for that, and so I'm not going to vote. Now, that's not where I'm at. 
and I fear that person might be in danger of burying their talent. But again, I don't know if I'd have a condemnation to give someone. Now, if you just don't vote because you're being lazy or something, that's different. But if you've thought it through and say, this is a fearful responsibility, and I, uh, I, I don't think I've got enough information to wisely do this, okay, i got nothing to say to that either. A lot of it's going to come down to what you think you're doing when you vote. Um, and I don't want to take the last minute to, to go any further with that. Voting certainly can be, and some people certainly think it is, approving. No, no doubt. What else you want to say? That was the last question. Mm, we have one minute. <laughs> uh, okay, stereotyping. The dilemma that we have is we have to stereotype in order to function in society. Uh, Let me give you an example. We have to make judgments all the time. And those judgments are based on not enough information. We never have all the information we need to make the perfect decision. And so we're left with making decisions based on inadequate data. So you're in the grocery store and you see seven aisles, checkout aisles open. What do you all do? You go to the shortest one. Right now, if you're smart in Costco, it's not about the shortest line. It's about how big the carts are of the people in the line. So you look and you're like, I'll take this one. This is seven people, but they each only have one item. This cart over here, I bless that mom's heart, but she's shopping for a month. And that's going to take a lot longer than these seven people. Now, you're, you're, but you have to make a snap judgment because someone's in line behind you and they're waiting to get in line and they're waiting for you to get out of their way. So what do you do? Are you making a moral judgment? You just, you have to jump to a conclusion. Now shift that to you're walking down the street and it's nighttime and someone's walking towards you. Ooh, a little dangerous maybe. You have to make a decision. Are you going to keep walking? You're going to suddenly decide to go down the street next to you? Are you going to go to the other side of the street and keep walking? You've got to make a decision. And you've got like seconds to decide and you don't have enough information. Are you making a moral judgment of the person walking towards you if you decide to go to the other side of the street? And yeah, this is very true of police. They have to make that kind of decision constantly, which is why it's such a difficult job. But if you're making a moral judgment, I know this guy coming towards me is a thug. And that's why you go to the other side of the street. Well, I think you probably were prejudiced. You probably came to a conclusion you had no business coming to. You don't know if he's a thug. But if you say, you know, I love my wife and my kids, and I don't want them to be husbandless and fatherless, and so I'm just going to play it safe and go to the other side of the street. I don't know anything about this person. Have you made a judgment about the person? No, you haven't made a judgment about the person, but what will the media say? That's your bias. Now, I haven't told you anything about this person. So it turns out they're Asian. You're prejudiced now against Asians because you decided to go to the other side of the street. Is that true? I don't think so. Maybe they were far enough away you couldn't tell what ethnicity they were. You just decided, I'm going to play it safe. But what the media will tell you is you're a racist, you're prejudiced because you went to the other side of the street. Turns out you thought they were Asian, but they were actually white. 
They were far enough away. It was dark at dark, so you couldn't tell. Are you racist? Are you prejudiced? You don't, you don't have enough information. The prejudice, the racism is based upon what you do in your heart and your, the actions based on that judgment, not based on whether or not you decide to play it safe. That uh, soul's great at showing the discriminations that we have to make all the time that are not, they're not moral judgments. They're, they're practical and expedient. They're probability decisions. I've got to make this decision. Or you guys are out weeding in your yard, and most of you probably know poison ivy really well, but here's this plant, and you can't quite tell if it's poison ivy. I'm going to play it safe and leave it alone. Well, you judge that plant in your heart. No, I didn't. I didn't make, I'm just playing it safe. I don't have enough information. I'm not condemning it. I'm deciding I don't know. And the world won't let you do that. And that's how they make racists out of everyone. Because every time you don't know enough to say that's not poison ivy, then you've judged that plant and you're guilty. You're a racist. I, I haven't said my controversial thing. I'm going to oh, say, say your controversial okay. thing. By all means, we're already three minutes okay. over. Okay, I'm going to close with this. Chew on this. I, the more I've been thinking about this over the weekend, the book of Proverbs is, it does more than this, but it doesn't do less than this is training us to profile. You need to identify the fool from a long way away. You need to identify the adulterous woman from a long way away. You need to spot wisdom and grow near to it. It's all about common traits. The fool does this. Which fool? Treat them as an individual. No, folly tends to look like this. And so you begin to recognize it. It's drawing a stereotype. It's drawing a profile of the fool, of the wise. And you're to know them and identify them. And then treat people individually, even as you say, this person's exhibiting foolish characteristics. They may well be a fool. And I don't judge them and condemn them, but I'm aware of that. This woman, this man, by the way they're dressing, by the way they're talking, by what they're doing, may well be the adulterous woman, the strange woman in Proverbs. And I ain't well to do be aware of them. And yet not judge and condemn them for that. But Proverbs is all about training me to take group characteristics and identify and spot. A wise son hearing his father's command is, is growing in his ability to profile the wise and the fool, the sluggard, the industrious. Proverbs is doing nothing but dealing with archetypes. Okay. See you all next week. Thank you.